Appreciate the opportunity I have tonight. Uh, my uh, characters are Abraham and Sarah. I'm not sure how many other of the topics have the spouse as well as the husband, but mine does. I feel for Steve last week he had Noah. We don't even know Noah's wife's name, but uh, at least tonight we've got a character that goes right along with the story and with some of the issues that uh, Abraham uh, dealt with. And I guess we might start by asking, is there anyone more prominently featured in Scripture from the Old Testament, even uh, other than Jesus, uh, than Abraham himself because of uh, what happened with Abraham? In fact, you may know the interaction Jesus had at one time that I think really illustrates the point in John chapter 8. We have this passage beginning in verse 53. Uh, this conversation with the Jewish leaders, they ask, are you greater than our father Abraham who died? So uh, that's who they want to feature as the hero, as Abraham. And Are you greater than him? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Who possibly do you compare with? Jesus replied, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. Now even that, that's quite a statement. For Jesus. Abraham was looking forward to me. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? Or how do you know Abraham even felt this within him? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. And you may know that phrase, I am, symbolizes I've been here since the beginning. And it infuriated them, so they picked up their stones to throw at him. The Jews, with good reason, you might say hung their hat on Abraham because that is the very beginning of the story of the Jews. The Bible's story of salvation actually begins with Abraham. I, sometimes when I study with people, I'll start the study in Genesis chapter 12 to say, you know, from Genesis 12 through the rest of the Bible is God's story of salvation. Everything up to Genesis 12, you, of course, know, was a lot of names, a lot of interactions with some people, but nothing like a covenant, nothing like saying, now we're going to start a group of people uh, that are going to be mine and they're going to be descendants from this one person. And so Abraham is indeed that hero of the Jewish nation. Um, this promise to Abraham in Genesis 12 is probably around 2100 B.C. So it goes back quite a ways in our, even in our world history. Uh, Abraham is told his descendants are going to be as numerous as the sands uh, that you see. As He tells Abraham one time to go out and look at the stars and try to count them, and that's going to be your descendants. And this great nation that's going to come but in particular, that end of that promise in Genesis 12, he says, through you, all nations will be blessed. In other words, somewhere down the line, it's not just going to be the Jews. It's going to be everyone. And because of, obviously, the fact that Jesus was in the seed of Abraham, a descendant of Abraham, that promise was able to be fulfilled. But Abraham's story, obviously, as we said, he's not alone in what we know. Uh, there's great interaction that we read between him and his wife, Sarah, uh, between him and his nephew, Lot, uh, even uh, with a handmaiden servant lady named Tamar and the son, Ishmael, that they have together. Uh, 
But I guess if there's any uh, special thing that's obviously noted when we talk about Abraham is the fact that he was chosen. Uh, it doesn't really say how righteous and devout Abraham was, but uh, uh, he had left Ur and gone to Haran, and that's where apparently the Lord speaks to him and makes this great promise to him and uh, basically says, I'm choosing you to be this person. Now, uh, think for yourself in your lifetime, the times you've been honored for something uh, by being chosen to do it. Uh, that's generally uplifting. That's generally a means something to you. I'm looking back here at uh, Caleb Dixon. Now, Caleb, you were the drum major in high school, right? So you were chosen for that. You probably, I mean, you didn't just uh, say, I'll do that. And they said, okay, we'll let you do it. Uh, you were chosen. So, you know, what an honor for that. We have people chosen for scholarships. We have people chosen, you know, for the service academies. You know, you apply for that and there's a lot of competition for that. And uh, the thing is, when you're chosen for things like that, you you do have some semblance of where this is going to go. In other words, you, you maybe even know the timeline uh, that's going to take place, what's going to be expected of you, when you'll be here, when you'll be there, what your responsibilities are. If you're chosen as a team leader or something at work, you, you kind of know what that expectation is, even with a promotion and so forth. So you kind of know the plan of what's supposed to happen and how I'm going to walk through this uh venue or this opportunity that's given to me by being chosen. The thing is, when people in the Bible are chosen, it's not really spelled out for them very well. Uh, it's not really indicated, okay, here's what's going to happen now in your life that you've been chosen for this. Even when you think of the apostles, right? When Jesus chose the 12, uh, at least we don't have a record of Jesus taking a couple of days to walk through, okay, here's what's going to happen in your life the next 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, they just know they're going to follow Jesus. Uh, we have a verse here in the life of the Apostle Paul when Ananias tells him, uh, this story is repeated in Acts 22, and he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth, meaning on the road to Damascus, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. Now that's what Paul heard early on in his encounter with Jesus. But do you think Paul had any idea what that uh, was going to entail when he's chosen to be that person, that mouth to the Gentiles? Could he have even imagined what was going to happen as we read through the book of Acts, the things that was detailed that took place in the life of Paul? But, you know, even in the Bible, there are people who, who don't want to be chosen. Uh, when you think of Moses at the burning bush, he eventually, as he runs through his excuses, he finally gets to the last one and says, you know, Lord, I just don't want to do it. You know, I made up these other ones maybe about not wanting to, uh, people won't believe who you are or what will I say and I don't speak well. He finally just is honest with the Lord. I don't, I don't want to do that. You remember with Gideon, even when Gideon is chosen early to, uh, to be a prophet and to speak, he says, you know, uh, I'm not sure. My, my clan is not very popular, and I'm the least in my clan. In other words, I'm at the bottom. Are you sure you have the right guy? So uh, we can be that way when it comes to be a, being chosen. But what about if God says, I want you to be the father of God's people? I want you to be the one who's going to have all the descendants 
that are going to interact with me from the rest of time and through you, Abraham, everyone is going to be blessed. So how blessed can one be? In fact, if that's the promise that was given to you in Genesis 12, it's interesting because God does say anyone who blesses you, I'm going to bless, and anyone who curses you, I'm going to curse. So Abraham may have been given uh, an indication up front, that, man, this I've, I've got it made. You know, God is going to be with me every step of the way. There's not going to be any problems because of what he's chosen me to do. But we know that's not the case. Because after Genesis 12, things get a little messy. There are problems. God says, I'm great and you're chosen. But yes, there are problems. One, of course, is the problem at hand when he walks away from God being told through your descendants. And he thinks, well... You know, now that I think about it, I don't have the first descendant yet. I don't, have a son, I don't have a son or daughter. And obviously, in the Jewish mindset, to be thinking, son, I don't have a son yet. He's 75 years old. And if you know the story, uh, most of what we know up till Isaac, a lot of things take place. Uh, he doesn't have that son till 25 years later. And so God doesn't tell him that. Up front. God doesn't say, I'm going to give you a son 25 years from now. But that was certainly what Abraham must have been expecting to take place any day, any year, certainly not 25 years later. And Sarah, of course, was uh, uh, 65, and she's finally 90 when Isaac is born. So kind of putting that in perspective. Imagine... God tells you when you're 25 that you're going to have a son, you're going to have a child. But you don't have that child until you're 50, okay? For us, that would be, I'm getting on up there. In fact, if you do the math, if you have a child at 50, that means you're going to be 68 when he graduates from high school, okay? And if you think about uh, even uh, Sarah... Um, being t- well, let's say you have that child at 75, which doesn't take place. That means you'd have a two-year-old when you're 77. That means you'd be have a 13-year-old when you're 88. And probably thoughts like that are beginning to creep into Abraham and Sarah's mind as they begin to age. But Abraham was chosen, but yet had to wait. But over and over, God continues to remind them to trust Him. And in chapter 15, in verse 3, uh, Abraham complains. He says, Behold, you've given me no offspring. And God says, It's okay. And He goes through this, this long covenant that He makes with Abraham. You may know of passing through the animal parts, this special covenant that He makes. But yet in chapter 16 is exactly when they make the agreement with Hagar. After this long covenant that had just been made in chapter 15, they succumb to that temptation to have the baby uh, through Hagar. And then in chapter 17, verses 15 through 18, this is not on the screen, but I'd like to read it. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, 
You shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? He's 99 at this point. Shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? But notice what Abraham says. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. In other words, can we just promote Ishmael into that spot? Can we not just continue with Ishmael? And so for those 25 years, it was always back and forth with the Lord. The Lord would make a promise. He'd make a covenant. And still right up even to this point, Abraham is full of doubt. And that's not even to mention the the issues that came about in Egypt when Abraham lied about who Sarah was and calling her his sister. Uh, When he lies again to King Abimelech for the very same reason. He was told over and over to have faith in God. But, and this reminder that God has a plan. But I have to, as much as I might want to sit here or stand here rather and point out the error of Abraham's ways and question his lack of faith or lack of trust in God's promises, uh, certainly we have to look at ourselves, do we not? Do you realize you're just as much in God's plan as Abraham? Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And later on in chapter 3 he talks about the church being always the eternal plan that God had in mind. Even before Abraham, we were part of God's plan. We sit here tonight as the Lord's church, part of God's plan and chosen to be His people. And so all those situations with Egypt, with the laughing that both Abraham and Sarah did, with the idea of of let's have a child through Tamar, the issues that sometimes took place with Lot generally Lot's own doing. Was Abraham ever not in God's plan? Well, of course not. He always was. But it seems as though as you read it, he's wondering if he really is, and he's certainly wondering if God's really going to come through with what he's promised. Abraham doubted God, and he took matters into his own hand because he thought it should go differently than the way it was going. For 25 years, he thought things should have gone differently. He'd be saying, we shouldn't be having these problems, Lord, and I I know how to solve them. I know how to take matters into my own hands. And as I ask, are you ever out of God's plan? Well, the answer is obviously no, we're not. But if I ask you, does it sometimes seem like you are out of God's plan? what would your answer be? Sometimes you have an issue of going on in your life or a direction that you knew things were not supposed to go, and they do. Do you sometimes question 
the promises of God. And the reason that we do is just like with Abraham, things do sometimes get messy even in our own lives, things that we don't think are supposed to happen. You see, he came in here tonight as one of God's elect. He came in here tonight just as I did as one of God's chosen people. And so tonight I asked, did I live that way today? Did I act as though I'm in God's plan today with the things that I did and said? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 and 36 is a good verse for us. It says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So those two words, confidence in who you are, but yet also having the endurance to know that eventually, whatever happens, I'll receive what has been promised. This one example, even with Abraham early on in Egypt, I think really tells the story. If we read in Genesis 12, as they make this decision to go to Egypt, it doesn't say anything in the text about the Lord telling Abraham to make this trip. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negev, Abraham and Sarai in Egypt. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai's wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. Sarah, let's lie about this. I remember what the Lord told me. I remember that we're going to have a child. I remember that he said, my descendants are going to number like the stars in the sky. I remember the covenant that he made with me. But, you know, it may not happen if we don't get through this. In other words, he's not trusting the Lord at all in this situation, is he? I'll lie about this. I'll deceive. I'll hide this. And we can be good too sometimes at hiding things, problems that uh, we have in our life. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5, 9, and 10 talk about the way Christians used to be or should not be anymore. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In other words, not these things are not to be part of your life. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, when we're tested, these are things that we can fall back into. But we don't want anyone to know about those things, do we? Abraham didn't want Pharaoh to know that Sarah was his wife. He didn't want that to cause any problems. So I have to ask, when I, when I think of trusting God, when things in my life get messy, how good am I at sharing the messiness 
with someone. What are we like while we're here tonight? Everyone I've met tonight so far whose hand I shook, things are going perfectly for them because they're doing fine. Things are going great. Probably when I shake a few hands after church, I'll know the same thing, that things are going just great. But things aren't perfect, are they? And we, we hide that. Uh, we don't share what's messy because it's kind of like a, kind of like a handicap, kind of like I've got something wrong with me. Things are messy in my life. In fact, I have a cane up here. I got it from Jim Mitchell. I don't know if Jim ever used it. But imagine if I came walking in tonight like this and got to the front door. Just before I got in the front door, I put the cane in down and then just came on in. <laughs> well, you know what? That's how we come in. That's how a lot of us came in tonight. We came in with a cane, but nobody's seeing that cane tonight. In fact, you might be on crutches. You might need even more assistance than that. And when I get out the door, like I said, I pick that crutch back up again. But right now I'm straight. Right now I'm straightened up. Everything's good. It's easy. Nobody really saw my real condition. And the reason is, I don't want you to think I'm not whole. I don't want you... See, I'm in God's plan, and I'm a Christian, and everything's supposed to be just, just perfect for me. I'm supposed to be happy and joyous, because that's how God's plan is supposed to be, Right? That's the way we think it's supposed to be. Maybe that's what Abraham thought after that conversation in Genesis 12. And I might even say, was anyone ever more locked into God's plan than Abraham was? I can't, I can't imagine any, any greater promise than what Abraham had. Yet look at his handicaps and his trials. What if I did come in with a literal crutch uh, like this tonight, and you ask me, Mark, I know, you know what you'd say right away, right? You'd say, Mark, what happened? I trust, you know, I, I know you'd say that. And, uh, and what if I said, well, I came home drunk the other night and I ran into the telephone pole right around the corner from my house and I'm going to have to have knee surgery. What would you say? Well, I know it wouldn't take long for the church to find out about that. I wouldn't want it in connections, right? In other words, that's something I should probably, and rightfully so, be ashamed of. And so I don't want you to know about it. I don't want to share my how I've messed up my life in a certain way because then I'm you might think less of me. Um, I'm wondering how you're going to react. In fact, I may not feel accepted by you once people begin to find out about these things. And are you listening? 
you may make me feel not accepted by God because I've shared my messiness. I know of a preacher who years ago, this was back when, uh, I remember the day, unfortunately, when women made the transition from pants to skirts at church. And I remember my mother wondering about these women who were wearing pants to church. Uh, and uh, I've been to churches where if you don't have a coat and tie, or at least a tie, they won't let you you know, serve communion. You're supposed to dress that way. Well, I know a preacher who uh, was preaching, and uh, it was too warm in the building. Before he got up to preach, he was sitting in the pew, and he took his coat off. He was going to go preach without his coat on. And the brother behind him said, in all seriousness, you're not planning on preaching without that coat on, are you? And uh, he remember, you never forget it, of course. But that was the idea that, you know, you're not acceptable to us if you don't look the way you should. And maybe, like I said, maybe even communicated, you're not acceptable to God if you're not looking the way that we think that you should. Now, I believe in a dress code. Don't get me wrong. And my dress code is wear clothes, okay? <laughs> it, it is modest. I mean, dress modestly. But I've, I've, maybe I've transitioned over the years as well. But we should have the ability to communicate a message with one another about people's problems and about people's sins. Your problems should not define you, especially at church, especially with brothers and sisters. Your standing with the Lord is what defines you. That's why Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I am meek and lonely in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. That's why Jesus died, because we are messy people. Abraham's life was like that. So are we ready to accept that in others? We're not a place for just wonderful, happy, perfect people. I like it when it's that way. I like it when it's that, that way in my life. But we should be a place where you walk in with your crutches, you walk in with your cane. Actually, that's who Jesus was with, wasn't it, throughout his ministry. That's who he was accused to be a part with. So the lesson for us tonight is always know that you are part of God's plan. If there's anything I can learn from Abraham, the greatest promise that was ever given to a man for 25 years, with all the interactions he had with God, he still doubted. But you and I are never out of God's plan, just like Abraham was not. And any messed up life we may have does not eliminate that. We, you might be here tonight you know, waiting for your Isaac, waiting for something to get resolved in your life because it's not going according to the plan. Well, I would really say it will join the crowd because that's how God has sometimes laid out life for us. Life is uncertain. And our expectations of God, what God will do for us are sometimes limited by our own expectations of what, he, what we hope He will do. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10 says of Abraham, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I pray that's where we're looking, and I hope we're looking to each other 
in ways that we can always assist. Let's pray as we dismiss. Lord, thank You for this great example we see in Abraham. Father, You spoke to him. He disappointed You, yet he was chosen. And Father, we know that uh, we can disappoint You as well, even though You promised us such great things. Father, help us to uh, not hide our problems. Help us not to uh, shun the sharing that we can do uh, when we need the, not only your help, but help from one another. Walk with us this week, Lord. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen.